0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here we go, and welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm your friend, Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for coming back each and every episode. And I hope you're hyped for this one. I know I'm hyped for it. Bo Joe Raleigh, a.k.a. Dean Mutati, is just oozing with charisma. And his charisma will ooze out of your speakers and out of your headphones and just hype you right up. You can see him in the new G.I. Joe movie called Snake Eyes which hits theaters on July 23rd. And if you watch the trailer, if you've seen the trailer, yeah, that's Mojo Rawley that you spot in there. We talk to him about how he's been bitten by the acting bug. We talk about his NFL career. And yeah, we talk about what's next for him after being released from WWE and so much more. This is a guy who bets on himself. And if you listen to this story, bets on himself and always wins. Give him a follow on social media. He's at Mojo on Instagram. Funny story behind that, which we get into during this interview. He's at Mojo Mutati on Twitter. That's M-U-T-A-D-I. Give me a follow. I'm at Chris Van Vliet, and I'd also super appreciate it if you could give the show a follow wherever you're listening right now. And if that happens to be Apple Podcasts, thank you so much to everyone for the over 2,000 Five star reviews we've received on Apple Podcasts. Like I mentioned last week, yeah, we're bringing back the reviews, and I'm going to be reading one on every single episode as my way of saying thank you so much for being on this ride with us. Yeah, the shout out's free. Just just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It could literally be as simple as the fire emoji. Hell, it could be the poop emoji. Just anything would be great. This one is from Wally Boo McBlogginoggin in the UK. That is an impressive username. Wally Boo (laughs) McBlogginoggin. That's so good. He says, one of, if not the best podcast on here. Chris Van Vliet is an amazing interviewer who asks amazing questions and seems like a respectful and laid-back guy who always finds a way to make his interviews interesting and seems genuinely like a runner-up for the nicest guy in the world. Well, thank you for the kind words, Wally Moo McBlogginboggin. I said that wrong. Wally Moo, Wally Boo Noggin. There it is. What a name. Wow. And I'll take it. I'm guessing that the actual nicest guy in the world, if I'm the runner-up, which is very kind, but I'm guessing the actual nicest guy in the world would be Tom Hanks or The Rock. So I'm okay being runner-up to them. So I've been talking with Mojo about doing this interview for the last few months. We've been trying to set this up. He told me that he would 100% do it. He just needed to find the right time. And that time, my friends, is right now. So please welcome the one and only Mojo Raleigh. Oh, man, I am so hyped for this. I'm so glad we're doing this.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me on. CVV, baby.
0: Mojo in the house. I didn't get hype for this interview, Mojo. I've stayed hype
1: for this interview.
0: Damn right. (laughs) I, I can't even imagine you with any less energy. Have you always been this way?
1: yes since birth i've I've heard this is how i came out very loud very obnoxious always a pain in the butt and i decided that's how i wanted to do things so we just stayed constant over the years
0: you're just like an 11 out of 10 all the time
1: yeah yeah 11 69 out of 10 something like that you (laughs) know gotta up the ante you know we're establishing new boundaries and new ceilings you know
0: with all that said is there ever a time in your life where you feel shy
1: Where I feel shy? Yeah. Not, shoot, man, I don't know, not too often. I mean, I definitely know when I need to shut up and (laughs) not be so aggressive or so out there, you know. I know it can be very off-putting to some. (laughs) That was always uh, fun, especially in the beginning of my career, you know. You don't ever want to go into a new locker room, you know, loud and out there. People can misinterpret your enthusiasm for just... You know, a lack of respect, or you know, you you know how it can be in a locker room. So,
0: sure, it's all about, you know, showing respect, shaking hands, you know. And I I imagine if you come in with the amount of energy that you have, it could be misinterpreted, like
1: you said. Yeah, got to put a cap on it sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, man. You're in a G.I. Joe movie. You're in Snake Eyes, which, as we sit here right now, comes out in a few weeks, July 23rd.
1: Dude, right? Yeah. (laughs) First of all, how incredible is that i mean grew up probably had every gi joe toy there ever was and uh now i'm in the movie years later like oh man i couldn't believe it when i when i got the call i was just so excited uh i didn't really think it was true at first you know it was just kind of just got out of a yoga class and i had this voicemail mentioning it and i was like you're you're kidding i'm in my zen right now <laughs> <laughs> so much for that, so much for my Samatsana, but man it was it was an incredible experience, and you know it was really difficult not saying anything about it you know for a while. you know we filmed that a bit back now, and it's finally coming out, so I'm just all ready to talk about it finally. So
0: how did this all come together for you?
1: um well, apparently, I guess the director was uh the director and one of the producers we're on YouTube and I guess they found me or a clip I had done, maybe it was my Instagram, but that that's literally, that's literally how this started just seeing a clip. And then they're like, yep, we want that guy. And, I, <laughs> and that was it. So it's just crazy. You never know everything you put out there, what it's going to lead to, you know, especially for in the wrestling world, like, you know, you never know which promo is going to get you a push and, and all this. I mean, now it's like what social media post is going to get you a movie. <laughs>
0: Was this a wrestling post, do you think?
1: Uh, I think it was a wrestling-related post, if I recall.
0: Okay, so break this down. When we go to see Snake Eyes, what are we looking for? Where will we find Mojo in the
1: film? Well, I can't tell you too much about it. You definitely got to go see it, of course. But uh, you saw the trailer. Um and how cool was that? I mean, I, I hadn't seen a single frame of this thing since we filmed it. So seeing it all kind of come together and to kick off the, the big trailer, I mean, I was losing my mind. I thought it was was awesome. And that's just like, a, you know, a small part of, of what we got in the movie. And the rest of it is 10 times that, you know, it's going to be so good. I'm just so excited to see. I mean, not only... Cause I, I know what I'm looking for, but just to see how it, how it came out and how the rest of the movie comes together. And I mean, I had an incredible time. I mean, what an awesome group of people. I got to work, I got to work with, you know, from the, the, the director to Henry to shoot all the extras, just everybody on set. It was just such a family feel, man. We had an absolute blast filming it. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to say too much, but man, I'm telling you, you got to see this one.
0: So have you been bitten by the acting bug now, do you think?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> there's so with, with wrestling, there's such a large acting component to it um, yeah. that you would think it would be a relatively smooth transition. I mean, of course they, you know, in Hollywood they film things a very, very different way. And, you know, you're going to have a very different uh, type of acting that you're going to be putting forward. Um But, yeah, I mean, I had just such a good time with it. I can understand why so many wrestlers, um, you know, want to do that either during or after after their careers. I mean, it was just such a a fun thing and, you know, such a a related business that, you know, why not?
0: I mean, follow me on this one. You're in a G.I. Joe movie. The Rock was also in a G.I. Joe movie.
1: Oh, I'm aware of that. I've been talking trash nonstop to my friends and family since it came out, you know, making sure they know I'm a huge movie star now. And just, you know, (laughs) the the rock better watch out because Mojo's coming through.
0: (laughs) How will you be credited in this film? I actually don't know. Did you tell him I want to be Dean or are you Mojo or, you know, are you some sort of mixture between the two now?
1: Yeah, I have not a clue. I didn't even ask. I was just so excited to, to be in the thing. It was like, shoot, I don't care what name you put on it. Let, let's run with it. I guess that'll be another surprise for me when it comes out.
0: Right. So, I mean, you, you walk onto set. You obviously have a ton of experience in the ring. You know how to make stuff look great in terms of making stuff look real. Movie fighting is so different from pro wrestling. So how much did you have to learn?
1: Um. You know, not too much. You know, we went in for the first day of training and we just ran it. It was so funny because uh they showed me the scene and I watched it once and I was like, all right, cool, let's run it. Like I got it. They they were like, wait, what? I was like, guys, if you only knew what we went through on T V Day every week with script <laughs> changing and matches changing every 15 minutes, and then it gets thrown out the window and you're standing in gorilla and then your music hits and then they change the whole thing. It's like yeah, we, we can pick up a script on the fly. <laughs> I mean, that part didn't didn't take too long. Of course, that, you know, that fighting element, uh, you know, more of like being in a, a real kind of like street fight is different than, you know, what we do in wrestling. I mean, we try to, you know, incorporate that into our matches, but there's wrestling moves and there's wrestling spots and it, it's different. I mean, I can tell you I was really sore the, the next day. Um, I mean, I did an entire day of filming nonstop. I mean, we, you know, there were, there were short breaks, but I I told everybody on set, I'm the hype man. I I hate rest. I don't, I don't want to take any breaks. Like let's just, let's rock. And they, they thought that was pretty funny and and they were about it, but I mean, it was, it was a lot and, you know, a lot of different movements. I mean, fairly similar, but at a different pace, a a different cadence, Um, you know, it'll, it'll take a lot out of you. It felt like uh, I was pretty, Pretty sore the next day, took a red-eye to Raw and had to wrestle in Boston on no sleep, but that's kind of standard protocol in my life, so I was all about it. Had a better match for it.
0: <laughs> oh, man. so you filmed this back in 2019, is that right?
1: Yeah, the end of 2019, I believe.
0: And I'm guessing this might have come out last year if the world was a little bit more normal?
1: Yeah, I think it was supposed to come out July last year, and then, yeah, with everything, we you know, we had to push it back. Um which was, which was tough as well. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also glad, you know, cause you, you want to see this in theaters and you want the, the big screen and I have like, you know, like a home home theater with a screen here, but it's nothing compared to, yeah. to go into the theaters. You know, that was always, you know, my favorite thing to do, especially in my football career uh, was on an off day, go see two or three movies in a row back to back to back. Like that was my thing. So I, you know, being a big movie guy, Definitely wanted to wait. It was well worth it to wait for it to come out in theaters and couldn't be more excited about it.
0: I, too, am a big movie guy, so I'm curious what's... I mean, my, maybe it might be tough to just narrow down to your top you know, favorite movie. Maybe what are your top three movies?
1: Well, I can tell you, number one without a doubt is remember the titans there's no question about that that's where i went to high school that's where i played my football the guys from the movie like i know all those guys they helped you know coach me raise me all that stuff i mean i have my little wall of narcissism here on the house in the house right here and i have some stuff framed from the movie uh from coach boone um and that was just incredible for me um you know, I, I love the movie Invincible and Rudy, these these underdog stories of guys that, you know, came from nothing and made it. I mean, that's how I've always, you know, looked at my path being the the undrafted guy, the the scout team guy, the guy that had to come up from nothing and didn't get a lot of looks. And second you get that small little smidge of an opportunity, you got to take and run with it. And, you know, that's why I resonate with those movies so much. But I can tell you right now, without a doubt, Snake Eyes is going to be number one. I'm so sorry <laughs> to the T.C. Williams community, but I think this one's got to take take num- the number one spot for me.
0: You know, if we go back, obviously, I mean, remember the Titans is a fantastic movie, but with that like influence on your life, did you want to grow up and be an NFL player? Was that the goal?
1: Well, the first thing I ever wanted to do, to be honest with you, was was being the WWE, was to, hmm. you know, be a big wrestling superstar and champion. I mean, I watched every single week with my with my dad and my brother. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there, like, wrestling each other. And my mom would come in and get all upset. My dad's not really paying attention because he's watching the show. I mean, I was watching when I was so young. I didn't realize that the WWE and WCW were different companies. I just – it was all wrestling. I didn't realize – you know, like I just, there's football, there's basketball and there's wrestling. I didn't realize different companies, uh, within it. So that was the first thing I ever wanted to do. But then, you know, you go to, you go to school and you can't sign up for, for wrestling as a, as a sport. So, you know, I went the football route and, you know, worked really hard on for that. And it, you know, you know, just worked well with me. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to have a, have a solid run there and have some success there. So I plugged away with that. And then, You know, took an injury when I was with the Cardinals, uh, one that I thought at the time was going to be a career ender to kind of reevaluate things. And then that's when I had this opportunity at a tryout with the uh, with the WWE. And I I took that, you know, I was in talks with I believe it was like the Raiders and the Jets at the time about about going back. And then this happened. I just ran with it. (laughs) You know, it was a big risk at the time, huge pay difference. That's for sure. (laughs) But yeah, you know, I bet on it and ran with it and you know, I'm, I'm glad I did.
0: You're a surprisingly big guy. I don't know if everybody realizes this. You're a little over six, three, almost 300 pounds. Were you always the big kid in high school?
1: Yeah. In, 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 um, middle school, high school, for sure. Um, the one of the biggest, if not like the biggest kid in class, um, you know, a lot of work went into that, you know, lots of time in the weight room, trying to break all the records and whatnot. Um, even when I went to my D3 school for two years, I was one of the bigger guys on the team. Um, wasn't until I got to Maryland <laughs> um, that, you know, I saw giants and monsters for the first time. I mean, the first guy I saw when I reported to camp, all right, so let me paint you a picture here. I, I go to a division three school. I'm on a full academic scholarship. I'm the first ever freshman captain. I broke all the weight room records year one. I'm an officer in the leadership program, the honors program, da 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 da. And I gave it all up to walk on at Maryland to pay. Thirty-five to forty thousand dollars a year, with no guarantee of a roster spot, just to have a shot at, you know, taking this thing to the next level. And I report to camp already, like, man, did I, did I make the right decision? This could cost me six figures and amount to nothing. And the elevator opens, and the first guy I see when I walk on was a uh, guy named Jared Gaither, who's six foot nine three hundred and seventy pounds with abs who ran a four eight in the 40 who jumped a 35 or 36 vertical five-star recruit and literally had a full ride to any school in the country for both football and basketball and i see this guy and i was like i think i made a terrible mistake <laughs> <laughs> Nicest guy, you know. I'm so glad to have the reps against him. I think he was the only guy in the country that shut down Mario Williams the year he was drafted, number one overall. And like, oh, he was going half speed. I feel like against him too it was unreal. Anyways, yeah, it's it was a risky move, but hey, man, that was my first taste of seeing giants. I'm glad I did because there's a lot of them in uh, wrestling. <laughs>
0: But all of this, it seems to come back to the same point. And that point is you bet on yourself. You bet on yourself when you went to Maryland. You bet on yourself when you maybe could have stayed in the NFL and you decided to go with the WWE. Where does this mentality come from for you?
1: Um, I don't know, man. I just, you know, I feel like I've been very good over the years at not necessarily staying in my lane because I don't I don't really like that saying, you know, you have your own lane and this is all you're entitled to. But just being more like real and open with myself. I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. Um, I know when I'm in a place where I'm getting a push that I don't deserve. And I know when I'm not getting one and, um, you know, it kind of makes it easy to know what you want. And if you think you can, you really have the work ethic and the skills to attain it. So I think that's definitely aided me over the years and, you know, betting on myself. Cause yeah, there's been a couple of very, very, you know, big bets I took. I mean, the year I could have gone back to the NFL, I would have been making, you know, 500 grand uh, at the time, you know, and that was the minimum salary. And then now I start in NXT or FCW at the time, I was making 39000 a year. And I, had, I came in with, you know, $150,000 in student debt. So it was actually costing me $1,000 a month to be there. And it yeah, it was risky. You know, wow. part of me was like, dude, go back for one year, get on your feet financially, and then come in. But this was an opportunity I wasn't willing to wait on or roll the dice on. I didn't know if it would be available later. It's so you know, all things considered, I was like, we, we got to do this and we got to do this now.
0: So you had the opportunity in front of you. Actually, you had two opportunities in front of you, NFL and WWE. And you basically said to yourself, WWE is what I've always wanted to do. That is the childhood dream. And if I go back to the NFL a year or two or three from now, this WWE job, it, it might not be here.
1: Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is, the third option. So I I used to intern at Morgan Stanley from when I was eleven through college, uh, like summers and after work. So that was always like my real life career, my you know my my safety, what I'm going to go to after sports. So yeah. I actually accepted a job with Merrill Lynch, and after I was uh, released from the Packers, I signed with Merrill Lynch. Uh, I was supposed to start on Monday. That Friday, the Cardinals called me and signed me. So I had to call Merrill Lynch and ask them if they were cool with putting my contract on hold. They were like, go for it. We'll see you after. So after I thought I had a career ender in with the Cardinals, I called Merrill Lynch again. And I was like, hey guys, if the offer's still there, I'd love to come back. And then the WWE happened. I had to call them again after signing the contract and be like, hey, do you guys mind?" Him? If I go do this now there again, they were super cool about it, thankfully, <laughs> and i wow. turned them down as well. That was kind of like um you know the the safe career uh something I you know my background was in that I could have went into risk free uh I had some family at the time telling me that was my move, enough abuse on the body, take the guarantee, you know all being said, I probably would have made more money there than I did in football and wrestling maybe combined um a lot of money in finance of course but sure yes again there's a lot of options but wwe was was the move that's what i wanted to do and again man what a fun run i had over over nine years you know you always want your career to go differently at certain ways but you got to sit back and look at everything you had and and you know weigh the opportunity cost and man i had i had a blast man i had so much fun
0: Do you think that if you hadn't had your calf injury with the Cardinals that you would have then started in some NFL games?
1: You know, I uh, think about that all the time. Um, I really got cut down kind of at my peak. You know, it was really a good situation for me there. And, um, you know, I'd spent all my time in college, D3, D1, undrafted, you know, to try to get this one opportunity in a scheme that fit my strengths and a team that understood me. And it finally happened, you know, like they love a good off season conditioning program with, with that staff. And I came in and I broke some of their weight room rec, like uh, competition records or whatever on like day one. So I already, they already knew who I was on the first day. They, they called me the iron sheet because they saw my last name and thought, you know, they're like, Oh, that's, that's Arab. It's like, oh, you're the Iron Sheik, you know, strong guy, Arab guy, you're, you're Sheik. So no one knew my name when I was in Arizona. It was Sheik. Like, that's how it was written on the the, um, the depth charts, like everything, wow. um, which was great because I love the Iron Sheik. Um, and they, they really had a, a good opportunity for me there. And, you know, I think they even had me penciled in as goal line fullback, um, which I was stoked about. So, yeah, I mean, I think there was an opportunity there, if not to start, but definitely see a lot of playing time. And, yeah, that injury just could not have come at a worse time or so I had thought because, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And with that, without that, I don't get this. So, maybe, right. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I'm not trying to draw another parallel here to The Rock's career, but, uh, you know, the, the Rock's dream was to play in the NFL. Couldn't make it, make it happen. And then look at the career he ended up having after that.
1: Exactly. Everything happens for a reason, man. You never know where life's going to take you. And that's why you don't just got to have a positive outlook. That's where my whole stay hype mantra came from. I mean, I had that from early on in football. Well, before I came to wrestling, um, you know, just being that last string guy, trying to, trying to fight just for a spot on the bus and whatnot. That was, that was my only way, you know, I, not only do I have to outperform the guy in front of me by one play, I got to, beat them in the weight room i got to have the highest gpa on the team i got to be first to show up last to leave like i have to dominate that person in every aspect of life for them to choose a walk-on a guy they didn't want over their preferred five-star recruit i mean that that's what it is it's all you can do man and and the only way you're going to do that is by keeping a smile on your face every step of the way
0: i imagine though it's pretty hard to stay hype when you have an injury that could potentially end your career
1: yeah, that was pretty tough, man. I mean, yeah. there's been a couple of uh, places in life where, man, just everything felt like it was collapsing. You know, go from sitting here thinking I finally found my place in football to having a career ending injury to not being able to walk to having permanent damage. I think my um, girlfriend of 13 years at the time, uh, we broke up almost right after that. So it was just like my whole life just imploded. And it was like, what the hell happened? And you know, happened for a reason. It sucked then, but it makes me appreciate every little thing I get now. And I couldn't be more grateful for, for all of it and all of it happening at the same time.
0: I love it. How did you end up finding out about the WWE tryout and, and how did you get in?
1: Um, it was such a strange thing because so you guys, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski, one of my best friends, his brothers are like my brothers. His dad's like a dad to me. Um, he was college. the dad, Mr. Gronk was college Mr. roommates Gronk. with Mike Rotunda okay. at, at, at Syracuse. So I guess they were just having a conversation, catching up and my name came up somehow and, and IRS was like, man, this is a guy we'd like to take a look at. They sent me to see a a house show in Buffalo with the boys had a blast. They uh, had me go to raw in DC. We uh, meet with Mr. Regal talk with some of the guys to see the whole thing backstage. And then that was it. They, they offered me, um, you know, the developmental deal right there on the spot. And uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but we ran with it, but that's, it all started with like a phone call that I wasn't even on.
0: (laughs) So you picked up your entire life and moved to Florida just like that.
1: Just like that, man. I mean, when you got an opportunity, you can't wait on it. You never know how it's going to be. Like you just gotta, just gotta rock with it. And if it comes now, if I get a phone call, you know, as soon as we finish up this, this interview and it, it's a great opportunity. I'm out of here. I'll leave this house. No problem. Whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you sign with WWE. You're a huge WWE fan growing up. You're, I mean, you're living the dream at this point. You must be thinking like, all right, what can I do to get to the top? What can I do to become that champion?
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting because, um, you know, I knew WWE as a fan, but I didn't know what training was going to be like. I didn't yeah. know what, becoming a superstar would entail i mean i came into this thing blind and you know i came in i was trying to display my personality while simultaneously like being respectful and yes sir no sir quiet whatever's asked i wanted to be the first guy to show up and last to leave every day that whole thing just kind of everything that that got me to that point but i didn't really know the best way to get a push from an from an insider's perspective it was just hustle so um yeah, man, it was it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, you you know how difficult it can be to uh to get a, a good run and a lasting run in the company. So it's uh it, it gets tricky, man.
0: So how long was your actual training before you were able to work a match in front of a crowd?
1: So this was a thing that was both a plus and a minus for me, I think. I came in and with this personality and with the football background, um And I think they were really high on me in the beginning. And, you know, they're like, we just need to teach this guy, you know, a few things and just let his hype take care of the rest. So I actually had my first match at a live event seven weeks after my first day. Wow. And yeah, it was very, very quick. I remember backstage, some dudes were not happy about that, which was so funny because there's seven people in the audience. It's like, guys, who cares? Like, come on. Um, but yeah, like, they were like, this guy, this is our opener, you know? Big baby face, gets the crowd hyped, you know, we will keep his matches basic because in NXT at the time, the opener was supposed to have a lot of constraints. of so just basic match, no false finishes, you know, super generic match, just get the crowd hyped up and save all the high spots and all the, you know, pretty stuff for the rest of the card as it as it builds the card. So they plugged me into that spot and I got stuck there for a long time, man. So I was grateful to get the reps, but um, I feel like I was I was pigeonholed almost from the get-go where it was so so tough to get out of that. Don't get me wrong, opening's a great spot on the card. Um you If you open every show, like, what a career you're going to have. But at the time, like, after a while, it just, it got tough, man. I I, I remember having nightmares about it because I was seeing some of the guys I started with start to pass me and, you know, getting opportunities because I was always, that's Mojo, that's your opener. And I opened every show for, like, years in NXT. Like, it's just, like, every single show. Hmm. So again, I was grateful, but I, I felt like I wasn't getting challenged, and I couldn't couldn't really grow because I I think matter of fact, I think my first match with with a near fall in it might have come when I was on the main roster. Wow! How about that? Wow! It might have been a like a a live event. Yeah, I don't think it was a TV match, but yeah, that was kind of my point. It was like. You know, and I remember vocalizing it at one point, I appreciate the spot I'm in, all due respect, but, you know, I feel like I need to get outside the box here a little bit. And I didn't want to complain because I had a great opportunity. And I know where my coaches were coming from. They're like, we want you to focus on your selling. That's all you need. You need to be hyped and you need to learn how to sell and you're gonna be golden. It was almost like the the John Cena philosophy. They they always called me NXT's John Cena when I got started, which I was like, how cool is that? Um, but yeah, eventually, yeah, man, it just it just got tough. And you know, I was so grateful when we finally started to to break out of that. Finally.
0: Were you the one that came up with the name? Did you come up with Mojo Raleigh?
1: no actually so um rob naylor was a creative assistant we had at the time uh, he was like dusty's right hand man and uh he came up with the name and i think he came up for me with it uh for me after like a week of knowing me he's like dude you you should be mojo and, <laughs> and i was like uh no like who's gonna take a guy named mojo seriously like that is ridiculous I could not have been more against it and he was like he kind of explained it to me a little bit and he's like take some time and think about it so I did and I started chopping it up from like a marketing perspective and thinking about you know all the you know crafty uh, catch we could come up with you meet Mojo one time you're gonna remember that guy especially after meeting me you know you're never gonna forget the name and I was like you know what Let's run with it, but let's tag, you know, a real life or a more real life name on on the tail end, so it's not just mojo. Because the thought at the time was to be just mojo. Hmm. So that's why when we came up with Raleigh, and I was like, oh, we can do like you know Monday Night Raleigh, you know, which of course thirty thousand people have done. And the funny thing is, is we actually never used Monday Night Raleigh ever. So it was kind of, <laughs> kind of <laughs> pointless, but. Yeah, man, that's kind of where the name came from. I'm glad he uh, talked me into it because now, even even after not being with the company anymore, uh, Mojo, thats it's, it is what it is.
0: You're allowed to use that name
1: now? Well, um, not Mojo Raleigh, but <laughs> Mojo Mutati, Dean Mojo Mutati. That's, that's what we're running with. So, Yeah,
0: what is the name that you're going to go with?
1: Probably Mojo Mutati, man. I mean, really? I respond to everything, but I guess we'll really iron that out when I resurface uh, my first uh, wrestling match. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm fascinated by like the idea of branding, and I I'm I love the idea of Instagram names and the fact that you have just at Mojo on Instagram. It just excites me so much. How were you able to get that?
1: Um, Brother, first of all, there's two parts of that, which is really funny. Um, okay, but I have um, a manager that I have worked with over the years, a uh, great guy, and he calls me up, Brad Cutler. He calls me up one day and he goes, "Bro, at Mojo's available on Instagram. I'm gonna get it for you right now if you give me the okay." And I was like, "Do it, do it, right."
0: What so were I you using at the in. time? What's that? What was your name at the time?
1: At Mojo Rally WWE. <laughs> So he gets that for me and he gets me verified. So outside of Cena, I was the first wrestler to be verified. And I remember Zack Ryder and The Miz going nuts about it because both of them had like over a million followers, but I was verified with not even like 10% of what they had. And I think Miz brought that up and he's the one that got the rest of the company verified. Wow. But the funny, the other part of this is I'm so glad, you know, Brad got me at Mojo because I thought it was a joke at first, but someone hit me up recently, maybe a month ago, and literally offered me $100,000 for at Mojo on Instagram. They didn't want my account, they just wanted the name at Mojo. Nah, and yeah. I said, like No, like a, a brand? Was
0: it, it's a company that wants that name?
1: I, there must have been some gotta be mojo business or company or something that that's their slogan or whatever that that wanted it. and this person was acting on their behalf, but yeah, said no, well,
0: they're willing <laughs> to pay you one hundred k, they're also willing to pay you a million dollars, probably.
1: who knows, man. But either way, I don't even know if you can legally do that with Instagram, but I'm <laughs> at mojo. that's my page. That's my brand. and. You know, again, you got to bet on yourself sometimes, man. I'm starting this new exciting chapter, you know, that, that's, that's my handle, baby.
0: And every time I go to your page, I, I audibly laugh out loud because you only follow 69 people.
1: Bro, I, you have no idea how much of a struggle this has been for me. Bro, I've literally been on a date before. Obviously, this one wasn't meant to be. And the girl <laughs> said, I need you. You got to follow me right now. I just followed you. And I was like, uh, yeah, I can't do it. You know, if this thing works, of course, I'll do it then. Can't do it. And she was like, if, if you don't follow me right now, then this date's over. And it was, check, please. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, I've had to unfollow my family. I think I had to unfollow my mom at one point. Like, dude, it is brutal, brutal. I mean, you
0: you must, so, you know, there's gotta be people over the next six months, year that you're gonna have to follow. So does this mean that you have like a lower, you know, five or lower 10 people that are like, all right, if I have to follow, you know, the director of my new movie or something, sorry, Aunt Kathy, you're out.
1: The bottom five was weeded out probably like five years ago. (laughs) <laughs> now I usually unfollow whoever's not going to get upset about.
0: It. Do you follow maybe. every Gronkowski brother?
1: I think so. Okay. I'm going to have to have a talk with them in the group chat. Somebody's got to go. Whoever's like not getting it done <laughs> or whoever doesn't post, you know, whoever posts the least maybe
0: Maybe you could follow 169 people.
1: You know, I was actually going to do an Instagram post about this today. Funny you bring it up. Because it is really getting tough. Um, posting, well, because if I'm going to do 169, that that sucks. So I think I have to go all the way up to 669. Mm. Now now it's that's a lot. I don't know. That's, now no one feels special and it's not that funny. And with the amount of people that deactivate and reactivate accounts, it's never going to stay at that number. I think you should stay at 69. I, I'm, that's, that's the plan, my man. I mean, yeah. people DM me and they're like, bro, you're only following 68, or you're only fo- you're following 70 now. Like, you got to make this adjustment. It's automatic. My inbox floods when this happens. <laughs> How ridiculous.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know,
0: since we've mentioned the Gronks a few times, how did that relationship start? And, And which Gronkowski brother did you become friends with first?
1: So um, I played at Maryland with Dan and Chris.
0: I had Chris um, on the show recently. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh,
1: that's right. Shoot. Yeah, I and I have and I house. have
0: an ice shaker to to show for it. So That good. guy
1: turned down a ride to go to Harvard, by the way. So anyone, everyone that thinks they're a bunch of dummies, three of them had like 4.0 GPAs. Jeez, wow. <laughs> Rob and Gord were too busy partying, so theirs wasn't as high.
0: Well, they had a 4.0 in partying
1: um but yeah dan and chris played with me at maryland rob was still in high school um their brother gord was kind of like the guy that would come down to the games he was like the cool one that would show everybody around but dan is the only brother that's like a real human being like that the family guy i mean chris has kids now too he's he's uh not as much of a wild man as he used to be but dan's like the real one of the group the other guys are these party animals but uh I was friends with Dan. Dan was like one of my best friends in college. And this just shows you how I was. I thought he was a crazy party animal back then because I didn't drink. I didn't party. I didn't go out. Like, you know, I was still like this hyped up crazy guy, but like I didn't do any of that other stuff. So I thought Dan was Crazy now. Fast forward, I might be the most wild one out of the bunch. <laughs> but yeah, you can probably blame them for a, a good part of that, maybe 69% of that. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is because of you that Gronk was able to work his way into WWE?
1: Yeah, I mean, those guys were always a fan. And um I was actually I was actually with them when I got my email from Canyon. That they were going to bring me in. We were uh, where the hell were we? South Padre Island, I think, for spring break or somewhere partying, and we went nuts. We went absolutely <laughs> bananas when that happened. Uh, so many good stories there, but <laughs> yeah, man, uh, we got we got Rob in. We used to we used to practice when when we were partying before I started. We I'd have everyone at the club line up. I pull my shirt off and have everyone go down the line and just chop the crap out of me all night. I was like, I got to toughen up, man. I got to be ready for this. And that's literally why I would always tell people like, chop me as much as you want. Put me in the ropes. You think it's a prank on you. It's going to be a, (laughs) you think it's a prank on me. It's going to be a prank on you because I'll eat chops all day. And that's, I even had spots where people would just chop me a ton and I would just, you know, get hyped up off of it. But he started, Rob started coming in we set up the mania spot. They were always um, backstage, or they came to the shows. I remember we had a FCW show when there was literally seven people there, and the Gronks were five of them. Wow! And I remember uh, wow. EC3 coming out to wrestle. It was just so funny because there's no one in this like grungy gym, and he's like, "What the hell is that Gronk?" <laughs> what's he doing (laughs) here kind of thing everyone was just cracking up but yeah man very supportive and we got to have some um some some fun over the years we're actually setting up some matches with him before he went back to football and the world shut down so again at some point we're we're hoping to get this this done because i know he wants to get in the ring and actually partake and you know it'll be a a fun fun thing for everybody
0: so you think when he retires again he'll be back in
1: wwe well, I guess that depends where I'm at. <laughs> you know, we just want we wanted to have some fun together. That's what it was always about. So, um, you know, if if I'm if I'm wrestling at the time and he wants in, then we'll definitely do something together. If not, we'll we'll figure it out, but yeah, that match is coming somewhere at some time, I can tell you. Yeah. That.
0: Well, I mean, you've got this taste of Hollywood. I'm sure this is not the last film
1: that you're going to be in.
0: Is wrestling still going to be A big part of your life moving forward do you still want to wrestle full-time
1: i want to do everything right now um right now you know this is almost 10 years i just i just put in and, and you know how the commitment to uh wwe is you just you can't really do anything outside of it so right now i want to do any and i want to do everything um you know, I do want to wrestle in the future. There's no doubt about that right now. I just, you know, need a little bit of time for me to, you know, get all of my stuff in line. I got a lot of things I'm working on right now that I just want to, um, you know, work on and, and really just let my body recover. You know, um, I think that's important. Just, you know, at, I mean, ask i asked Rob, I mean, he took one year off from football and now he feels like he can go another 10. Mm. Um, Sometimes getting hurt's the best thing that can happen to you man because you know while you're rehabbing that calf it gives you enough time to heal up the rest of your body let your brain catch up you know any other nagging lingering injuries that you've had over the years they can they can finally heal and you can have some time away to rebrand uh to redevelop to look at everything from a fresh perspective and you know see what that entails and where that's going to take you and that's kind of uh kind of where I am right now and you know luckily that'll give me some time to explore you know acting and and getting into to that world I mean I literally want to do everything right now I can't believe it but I'm busier now than I ever have been I mean it's it's been insane like I have no free time I'm on the road more now than I was when I was traveling for wrestling and um you know I'm just loving I love to grind I don't like to be home I don't like to be resting i hate getting a full night's sleep like it's awful to me and i'm just in a good place right now man it's uh it it's a cool thing i know it can be scary and very daunting you know leaving that you know that that constant career and that guaranteed paycheck and that stability and security that being a full-time um you know employee essentially can give you but i'm loving the, the flip side of that right now
0: and you've got an endless amount of freedom now
1: it's kind of weird to get used to to be honest i keep thinking i gotta ask permission before i do things <laughs> i gotta <laughs> remind myself i don't have to anymore
0: <laughs> you know you mentioned a rebrand and i want to talk about your heel turn in wwe Who whose idea was this and did it play out the way that you wanted it to play out
1: um you know i can't remember whose idea it was uh if it was mine or Vince's, I know I had my Zach got hurt and I had my singles run and I had a good stretch there um, for a time. And then Zach came back, we tagged and I knew everyone knew they, we were going to break up um, because we prefaced it for months. Um, But I don't think anyone knew who was going to turn on who that was kind of our saving grace for that. Um, and, And we didn't really know either. And then the thought came down to have, had me me do the heel turn and you know I was all for it. Um I know they wanted me to get away as far away from the whole hype persona as possible. They didn't want me even mentioning the word hype at all. Um, and we had a good run there for a while. I was a little I would have preferred if Zach and I could have had our our run for a bit. Um, I mean I turned on them and then they aired um a dot com exclusive <laughs> detailing the breakup and then we had our one match on the kickoff of a pay-per-view and when you're doing a kickoff match or some of these other matches you have so many handicaps on it like you can't swing for the fences and show people what you got I mean that's why like Zach and I were like dude let's just go at each other on social and I cut a couple of um promos on my cell phone in my garage that got really good good traction and he had some great clapbacks as well but that was it man we we turned and then we had a uh, you know the kickoff match and then that was it they broke it off and then you know i had like one of my uh, <laughs> we we like to joke around the classic semi push where you start to set up the push and then the push <laughs> never <laughs> comes <Yeah. laughs> you know we had some good moments i would have loved to have done more with it but you know it is what it is you take what you can get and you know at the end of the day you just got to be comfortable and happy with what you put out there, and know that as long as you feel like you did all you could given the circumstances, like that's that's what's going to propel you through the years. You never want to have any lingering doubt, like oh, I wish you know, like I would have focused up more or you know worked harder. I mean, I always worked as hard as possible at all times. You know, like even when I was partying, like it was like all right, I'm going to go out and get some content. I'll put it on my social. I'm building my character. I'm making connects. Yeah. Hopefully, that'll let the company see that you know i have traction outside of this place and maybe that'll convince them to you know give me a run here but you know at the end of the day you just got to be happy with what you got and you know i think there's some things we could have been could have done differently but they didn't and you know can't have any regrets at the end of the day
0: what was the idea behind the face paint when you were
1: heel brother (laughs) oh no i'm so against that i really didn't want to do that uh truthfully though the way the sketches came back they didn't look half bad and i was like i hope when i wear this it looks this cool and it couldn't be furthest from um we had these promos i pitched this idea of like you know everybody looks at themselves in a mirror everybody hypes themselves up everyone has that degree of vanity let me run with it. Let me let me cut promos berating someone for any shortcomings and failures. Uh, and you don't know who who I'm talking to. You know, you yeah. might think it's Zach, you might think it's whoever I'm going into a program with, job subtle hands. You find out later it's me. And now, you know, we can take this whole new attitude and run with it. There was a couple of ways we were gonna go with it, and somehow that morphed into me losing my mind that. Drawing on my face, and I don't know what it became. We literally did one match with that character. Um, Me and Apollo were paired together on a Europe tour, and I remember, you know, I was like two and a half weeks of everyday working together, and, you know, we we put on some great matches. Him and I always had great chemistry. Um, I thought there was so much there that we pitched together and against each other but we put on like matches that nobody was really expecting out of us and that the fans really gravitated on. And it's hard when you got two guys who have zero TV time, who it's a cold match and you're going out there following all these rivalries. And um, it was in the reports every night by the producers, like, Hey, these two are really, really on to something. Let's give them a run. So they booked Apollo for my debut match in this character. And like, we were all, we were stoked. We're like, dude this is it for us let's go out there and kill it show everybody what we got this is going to be our first real opportunity to not do like one of these two minute tv matches where you can't show anybody anything and then we found out it was a 60 second match that was more or less written out entirely for us so two and a half weeks of killing it turned into that we were just like and then that was that yeah (laughs) character over it's like all right
0: and the character was over just because of that match or?
1: No, no, I mean, we did everything that was asked. I mean, it just, you know, I don't know how those meetings go. It just, that's mm-hmm. not what they wanted or they had other things. I mean, honestly, I think sometimes they just forget about what they, what, you know, what's going on. Cause they have so much, you know, they have so much that they're thinking about and weighing inside, like on the show and outside of the show. So you never know. But <laughs> that was that. I was like, great. I just, Pain in my face like an idiot for weeks for nothing.
0: <laughs> I felt like you like really had the chance to take things to the next level when you won the under the giant battle royal, and then nothing really came of that. Were there plans after? I mean, that's a huge WrestleMania moment. Were there plans after that for it to turn into something?
1: Um, I think the plans all went into that. You know, um, I've come to learn that when you win the Andre, it's not to start a push afterwards. It's either the lead in for a great moment sometimes, or it's a reward for a guy that's quietly been busting his ass and here's a thank you. It doesn't always mean it's going to amount to a push. I don't know, um, you know, what their thoughts were at the time. I know, I was, they put me on this path to win it and leading look, especially in retrospect, leading, looking at the weeks, leading up to that, it made sense um, that I was going to take it. Um, And when I heard that it was probably going to meet be me, that's when I had the idea. I was like, Oh man, let's, let's bring in Robbie G and just hype it up even more and make even bigger moments. Cause I was, I always try to focus on, on big picture. It's like, all right, well I can do this myself and it's going to be, you know, people are probably going to look at it as an average Andre moment, or we can make it bigger than it is and get it out to more eyes and make it a bigger moment. They even moved it to the pre-show, which a lot of people were upset about, but the pre-show was on cable. The pay-per-view was on the network. The pre-show gets more views by a mile than the actual show did. So I was looking at it as a plus all around. Um, but then afterwards, man, it's just, you know, they, they didn't know what to do. I was... I think I was doing some like strange promos with, with kids or something. Um, I honestly, man, I think that's just what my whole career kind of boiled down to was like, we got this guy, he's perfect for this one spot, high energy, hyped up, dude. Yeah. We're going to put him in this space. And then we don't know what to do with him after that. Cause I remember meeting with Vince one time and he I mean, I was like, I felt pretty boosted after it, but I also felt like uh, I felt mixed about it. But he literally sat me down. He's like, all right, you know, you may be the, you, you're one of the best athletes in, com- in the company. You're one of the strongest in the company you have one of the best attitudes, one of the best work ethics. And he literally went down the list of all these superlatives where I was number one or top three. And then he was like, we just got to figure out what to do with you. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, "Well, I think you just said it. <laughs> how do we not use that? like there's so many things we can do with it, but you know you never know what's going on behind the scenes, and uh all you can do is work your butt off. I was submitting pitches constantly, um you know, very seldom does that amount to anything um if if anything at all um but yeah, man, you never really know what's 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 going on and at the end of the day again you just got to do your best and put everything out there and that that's all you can take home
0: you were one of the superstars who ended up losing your last name your character last name um do you think that that helped did that hurt or did that not matter at
1: all losing raleigh
0: yeah weren't you just mojo
1: i know they flirted with that fact but i don't think they ever dropped it on tv
0: and maybe they were just calling you mojo because almost everybody's Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, maybe it was just because everybody knew you as mojo.
1: Well, you know to that point, yeah, sometimes they they do that where it's like, "All right, his name's Mojo Raleigh. Don't mention Raleigh on TV ever." You mm. know. He's just Mojo and <laughs> I guess, but yeah, you're right. They they did do a lot of that.
0: <laughs> but so I mean, it it definitely helped a, a, a lot of people had their name taken away. And I feel like with what you said earlier in this conversation where you didn't want to just be Mojo, it's kind of coming full circle now where like, it's actually great that you're just Mojo now.
1: Yeah. I think by the end there was actually, um, now that you're talking about it, I think there was a discussion at some point about just making, making it Mojo. But yeah, at the end of the day, raleigh was so irrelevant to the name it didn't even matter yeah it was just mojo
0: yeah you survived a whole bunch of rounds of cuts and a lot of your friends a lot of your colleagues ended up getting let go i mean there was a huge release last year at the start of the pandemic you survived that did you think you would survive this most recent round of cuts too
1: um truth be told there's some other things going on there um I, you know, all I, all I can say is I'm grateful to have been with the company uh, as long as I was. I mean, putting in almost a decade, that's, you know, that's a hell of a run. Um, and all I can say, too, is that, you know, I'm just I'm truthfully happy it happened. You know, it was time for a change. And um, sometimes you never want to be the one to necessarily initiate that. Um but you needed it to happen. And it's, it's, it was a thought that was kind of going through my head for a while. It's like, you know what, let's give this thing another year or two. If this amounts to nothing um, or very little, or doesn't change the tra- uh, trajectory of the cr- course I'm currently on, then yeah, it is time for a change because I'm going to turn 35 here shortly. And when you're talking about starting over in another industry, the longer you wait, the less is, less is off the table later. And again, I got pigeonholed a lot as being like this this big hyped up guy that very much um, did a lot outside of the ring. I was one of the few guys they used for a lot of these community service drives, public speaking, like red carpet events, like all those kind of things cuz yeah. surprisingly there aren't a lot of guys in the company that that can do those um you know Titus O'Neil is the the poster boy for that stuff I mean honestly in my opinion I think Titus is top three most valuable people in all of WWE um I know that might come as kind of a shock to some people but we got tons of guys that can wrestle almost everyone on the roster can put on a hell of a match if, if given the right push and the right opportunity but how many guys do we have that can really go out there and, and make change and bring in a new fan base from doing all these promos that he does. And, and there's no one I've ever met that does more, more in that space than Titus. So, um, you know, I was kind of, I felt like used for both, you know? Um, But again, sometimes those guys don't get the big uh, Roman Reigns career. So <laughs> eventually, you know, it's, you see where you're at. You're grateful for where you're at. Um, but, you know, change needs to happen, whether it comes from you or them.
0: I feel like people think they know who Mojo is because they've you know, got to know this character over the last decade. What do you think would be the most surprising thing that we would find out about Dean that we'd go, no
1: way he does that? Probably anything about Dean. The only thing you know about Mojo is uh, hype and partying. like. If- <laughs> We kind of worked pretty hard to really paint that picture. Of course, I'm going to have to to work to get out of it, man. But, um, you know, I don't know. It was just, um, you know, the whole financial background, uh, you know, that's kind of an affinity for investments and making sure all my friends are being smart with their money. You know, I was one of the, you know, probably me and Titus were the two guys behind the scenes that were constantly getting guys side business to whatever extent. Uh, We could, you know, when we do shows, we get hotel rooms comped and and fun nights lined up or, you know, just all kinds of stuff set up set up for the boys. And that's actually, you know, something that leads me into one of one of my projects I'm doing now. Um, You know, I I started um, a company, the Paragon Talent Group, uh, with some some other other buddies that I have to represent, you know, uh wrestlers in their transitions and in real world life getting them you know paid paid gigs marketing gigs uh new careers everything because i just have so many friends that when they leave this company they're lost you know and yeah uh these are guys that maybe wrestled their whole lives they only know wrestling they haven't done anything outside of it they don't know how to manage their money they don't know how to do anything but get wrestling gigs. And, um, I had so many guys that reached out to me, just asking, asking for help, um, you know, with managing their money, income streams, how to market themselves and whatnot. So I was like, well, shoot, you know, why would I not just start a company and help guys out? So we signed up, you know, 12, uh, full time, you know, full time guys on our roster that were former WWE wrestlers, and um, you know, working with some guys in other industries too, just to to kind of help them out, so we can all just kind of come together and, and grow and help one another to to set up next steps. So, yeah, I mean, if you're asking about, you know, what are what are the things people are surprised about? It's probably just any element of Dean, you know, when the when the heights turn down and you're you're getting the 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 Maybe the business side of me, because I don't want to say the the mojo and the hyped up, excited part of me isn't me. That is 100% me. But, you know, <laughs> there's there's a lot of layers here, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, so many wrestlers
0: struggle, and I'm sure you've seen this with your friends. They struggle when they leave WWE or when they leave wrestling because their entire identity is that they were a wrestler. And I feel like you're already ahead of the curve here. Your identity wasn't just that you were a wrestler. Your identity is mojo. Your identity was that you had like charisma oozing out of every pore of your body. And I feel like you're going to be completely fine here.
1: Yeah, I'm not worried about it one bit. Like I said... um You know, there's of course there's there's benefits of being there, but there's a lot of benefits of not being there too, and you just got to see what's what's the right fit for you, and it comes down to being up, you know, honest and open with yourself. I mean, you got to know when it is possible that you could potentially, you know, be cut. I mean, how if a case I could make right now, you know, with Braun Strowman not being with WWE anymore, who wasn't shocked by that? I mean, that blew everybody's mind but bronze another guy adam i should say that you know has a good business mind on him and has other things set up and he's gonna be just fine and he's a guy that was a former champion like the champion who was the guy and yeah has more like youtube moments than you know 95 percent of the roster does and, but even he had the wherewithal and the heads up to set up next steps and You know, I know he's got a lot he's working on right now. He's going to have a hell of a career. And these are things that if you want to go back later, you know, it's only going to make you an even bigger name. And that's what you got to realize sometime. And I think there's been a recent trend of guys seeing this and seeing the value in other places um, where you can grow. And especially in a wrestling world, I mean, AEW, how... (laughs) How can you not be thrilled with their existence and their success? I mean, I think everybody in uh, the WWE got, locker room got raises when when they started to try and keep guys there. So I don't know if there was anyone that was bigger fans of AEW than the WWE locker room secretly. But, you know, it's just it's just great to see that people are starting to think this thing through and next steps more.
0: When you look back at your entire career, NFL, WWE, how much of it do you think was hard work and how much of it was just right place, right time and just good old-fashioned luck?
1: I think all of it stems from the hard work. I've learned how to have fun through the hard times, um, which has been a a gift for me. Um, None of this comes without without hard work. But at the same time, I could name a hundred guys right now that work their asses off and get no opportunity. So everybody has to be right place, right time at, at some point. And the goal is just to work as hard as possible, always to always stay hype, to maximize that window and that time frame for you to have a lucky moment. Mm. Um, but you know, everybody needs a little bit of luck here and there and, and no one's going to make it by themselves. I don't care who you are. It just doesn't happen. And uh, you know, that's what it comes down to, man. And then sometimes it takes years and years and years of the grind and getting no respect and no notoriety and no money before it finally um, pays off. And sometimes just having someone in your corner Makes the world of a difference, you know. I used to travel with Fandango, and I remember Dango telling me early on when I first got called up, and I'll never forget it. But he's like, "Dude, I can't tell you how many guys I've seen come and go, how many guys that were flashing the pins, these number one merch sellers, these you know major champions that I've outlasted by knowing my place, by working hard, by not complaining, by doing the right things." and you know just letting time run its course and yeah i've had some cool moments but it took years to sometimes get to that and then cool moments don't always last for for forever at the end of the day it's a scripted show just because you're killing it and you're working hard it doesn't mean that's gonna translate to success so take this business for what it is if you're not getting a push don't complain don't cry about it on twitter Look at what you are getting. You might be booked on the live events every weekend. You might be getting a chance to see the world for free. You might have an action figure, a trading card, a video game character. You know, you're still in the limelight. You're you're behind the shield of this global corporation. Um, there's just so many benefits that come up with this. So who cares if you're winning or losing? Like, who cares if you go on a two hundred Match losing streak like Kurt Hawkins did because it's going to end up getting you a mania moment in your hometown. And I guarantee you, Kurt wouldn't trade that for the world. Who cares about losses on live events and TV when you get a title win at Mania in your hometown? Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So just stay the course, man. Control what you can control. Everything you can't, just let it be. Work as hard as possible. Know in your brain. That you're doing everything you can, so fifty years from now, you can take comfort in that as long as you're not getting disrespected and cheapening who you are, as long as that doesn't chip away at your identity and your existence, just run with it, man. ups and downs, duck and weave
0: I love it, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. this has been so great I'm pumped to see what's next for you. Bro, there's guys um, in every other film that you're gonna be in
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they don't I tell you. This movie's going to be so sick. I've been dying for this thing to come out. And uh, by the it,
0: way, for everybody who, who lost, saw the trailer and went, ah, I, that main guy, I know him from somewhere. That's the guy from Crazy Rich Asia, Asians.
1: Oh, so that was another point, bro. Henry, so I knew he was this, this Hollywood star on the, on the come up, and he's killing it. So I went into this movie, and I was like, okay, great actor. My sisters both love him. All my friends have a crush on him. Yeah. Probably not going to be the most athletic guy. I am definitely going to have to carry this this scene. I was looking at him almost like, you know, I'm the veteran guy doing the job for this burgeoning star, which so many guys did for me. Sure, Man, I showed up. I was blown away by how athletic he was, how smooth his, his, uh, maneuvers and mannerisms were and just dude the way he moved i was like this guy literally is a ninja it looks like he's been doing this for life i went back to raw and i was like dude we got to book this guy for a match with me on tv because he's ready right now so the fact that he was just leagues above athletically where i thought him or any actor would be for that matter i was like oh we're gonna have some fun with this one and i'm telling you y'all are gonna love it really (laughs) Check it out. The trailer is nothing. I uh, made my day having all my friends and family hit me up like, did, did I just see you in a G.I. Joe trailer? <laughs> <laughs> you're damn right you did. <laughs> Check it out, baby. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: end, I end every interview with the same question. I mean, you, and you've mentioned it a few times during this interview, but uh, I'm a big gratitude guy. And I want to know what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now?
1: um three things i'm grateful for in life right now one the opportunity to be living um especially in the pandemic we're in and there's a lot of people that have uh been affected by this thing over the years i know i've had my fair share with it um just the fact to be to be alive man like what, what a time to have to evaluate yourself and to have this this period of time to really take a, a close look at yourself and, you know, how you want your life to proceed. Um, you know, I've lost I've lost friends and loved ones during this time from this thing. And it's it's been very scary for for everybody. So just the fact to to wake up and no matter how bad your circumstances might be for everyone listening, like you're still living and you still have the opportunity for this amazing, amazing comeback story because as much as you're down in the dumps now, you are going to love yourself that much more when you come out of it and you find success and coming from a guy who's been knocked on his ass a couple of times. Those are the moments I take more pride in than everything. So appreciate this, uh, uh, this ability to be, to be living and have a shot at life Um, to just, um, you know, family and friends, man, like, especially now starting over and transitioning you see who your real friends are and you're grateful for it and for the people that you know may have turned their backs on you it's good to know and good to learn from too and it'll be fun to to win them back later on you know and keep them at arms length. but uh you know just every everybody out there that had some sort of influence on your life like i said before you don't get anywhere on your own. Um, and I'm a firm believer that. And these people can help you through a lot of, a lot of times, um, people that you thought may have been acquaintances or people you barely knew might get you your next career, might get you your next gig, just anything, or they might just be there for you with great advice or someone for you to vent to if you need it. Um, and the third thing I'm grateful for, would be this interview with the main man cvv <laughs> thank you for having me on bro this was so fun it was good to chat about some of this stuff again some of it feels so wrong talking about now that i'm a, a free man again it's definitely a, an adjustment and acclimation period so <laughs>
0: thank i appreciate you, you man this was a great conversation i i wish we could have done this in person but I don't know if the internet could handle that much hype at once, you know? I,
1: I don't know. It might break, bro. I don't know, man. I've heard so many good things about you from friends, who from people I didn't even know listening to your to your show, and they're like, dude, this guy does a great job. He's one of the biggest pros out there, and he's, he's a hell of a guy. So 100% oh, wow. get on that thing ASAP. So I'm glad we did this right away as soon as I was ready to uh, open up and start chatting, man.
0: I appreciate you, man. And I'm so excited for this next chapter of your life, whether that's as Dean, as Mojo, or whatever you want to be.
1: My man, me too, bro. So excited. Let's keep it (laughs) popping.
0: Mojo, Raleigh, Dean, Mutati, whatever you want to call him. What a guy. And what a story. I love how at every stage of his life, he's on himself and it's worked out. So I think that as he enters this next chapter of his life right now, this next chapter of his career, there's no question that he's going to thrive here as well. Take a screenshot, share this with someone who needs to hear this message. Tag us on social media. He's at Mojo on Instagram. He's at Mojo Mutati on Twitter. And give me a follow as well. I'm at Chris Famfleet. And if you're not already, make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. And I'll leave you with this from F. Scott Fitzgerald, who says, for what it's worth, it's never too late to be whoever you want to be. I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you find you're not, I hope that you have the strength to start over again. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We'll see you on the next one for some more Insight.